Today's first scripture is taken from Matthew chapter 13, verse 44. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and saw all he had and bought that field. The second reading is taken from Philippians chapter 3, verse 7 to 11. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith, I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. May God add blessings to the reading of his word. Well, welcome again, everyone. It's great to see you all here this Tuesday lunchtime. I'm going to pray before we have a look at this. This little verse in Matthew. Our gracious Heavenly Father, I pray, please open our eyes this afternoon to see the glorious, infinite and eternal treasure of knowing Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. Well, we're going to spend a few minutes now reflecting on Matthew 13, verse 44, what's pr- printed at the bottom uh, of the first page of your service sheet, so do keep your eyes on it. Let me read it again. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. This is the small, you won't be surprised to hear, this is the smallest parable of Jesus that we have recorded. Only one verse, and yet it contains a message of such explosive, vital importance to us. And I think it speaks at least to at least two types of people um, here today, perhaps. The first is the person who perhaps is a bit mystified as to why Christians have to take their faith in Christ so seriously. Do they really need to insist that Christ doesn't just improve us, but that he actually revolutionizes us and completely changes our lives? And the second person uh, is someone who's a Christian and perhaps been a Christian for a while, but frankly, gradually the Christian life has become a bit of a drudge. It's meant sacrifices along the way, and as they look around at their friends, who aren't Christians, they're living apparently very happy, successful lives. This person is increasingly wondering to themselves, is it worth it? Is it worth it to be a Christian? But for all of us, wherever we find ourselves spiritually today, this parable addresses a basic question. What is it worth to know Christ? Or in... uh, in the words of uh, the verse, to be a member of his kingdom of heaven, to, to have the kingdom of heaven. What is it worth to know Christ, to be a member of the kingdom of heaven? 
Well, I, I need to um, begin with a confession, a very serious confession. Are you ready? I love the Antiques Roadshow. Although it's the same formula again and again, I just can't get enough of seeing the reaction of people when they discover that something they own is of huge value. One of the top finds on the Antiques Roadshow in recent years was a painting belonging to a vicar. In fact, it was the, the most valuable painting discovered in the history of the programme to date. The Reverend Jamie MacLeod was his name. He bought a portrait in an antique shop in Nantwich, Cheshire, in 1992 for the princely sum of £400. Because he quite liked the look of it. But he was understandably cock-a-hoop on the Antiques Roadshow uh, many years later in 2013 <coughs> when the eagle-eyed Fiona Bruce spotted it as an original Van Dyke or a potential original Van Dyke. I know, Fiona Bruce, you know, is there nothing this woman can't do? It, as if presenting the news and hosting Question Time were not enough. She's actually a part-time Van Dyke expert too. Anyway, later it was confirmed as a, a, a Van Dyke original by a Van Dyke expert. And it was valued at £500,000. So the Reverend MacLeod discovered that he owned something of great value. And a similar thing happens to uh, this man in the parable. He stumbles across treasure in a field and he instantly realises it's of enormous value. Look at how he reacts. He instantly hides the treasure again, it's so precious, that he, so he doesn't lose it. And then he straight away goes and sell, sells all that he has to buy, the, to buy the field that the treasure is in. He's taking absolutely no risks about this treasure. It's so valuable, he wants to be absolutely sure that he actually holds on to it. Now, Jewish rabbinic law said that if a man finds scattered money, it belongs to the finder, finder's keepers. But Roman law said that you needed to own the property where you found the treasure in order to be sure of keeping it. So in Roman-occupied Palestine, where Jesus is telling this parable, the legal situation is a bit ambiguous. So this man is taking no chances about it. He's going to go and buy the field. There are, there are some other interesting facts about the story that just emphasise the enormous value of the, the treasure. Notice that he doesn't stop for a moment to agonise over the relative value of having to sell all that he has on the one hand versus the value of the treasure in the field. There's just no debate about it. It's a total no-brainer. As soon as he sees what's lying in the field, he goes straight into town to buy it from the owner. Notice also that he, he sells everything that he owns, all that he has. It might have been his livestock, his house, his own valuables. This man counts everything else as less valuable than owning this field and the treasure in it. Notice also one little word, three letters, joy, that's there right in the middle. Joy. In his joy, he sells all that he has. This is not old Bob coming back into town mournfully selling all, the thing, all his worldly possessions because he has to. No, this is, this is old Bob hopping, skipping and jumping 
back into town, racing around, picture him, selling all his stuff, no doubt whooping as he goes, uh, people just wondering what on earth has got into him, selling his horse and cart, his cows, his sheep, his house, they mean nothing to him any anymore because he knows that in that box, in that field, is treasure of such value. He'll literally do anything to hold on to this treasure. So we're meant to see the huge value of the treasure in the field compared to everything else that this man owns. To adapt our Antiques Roadshow picture slightly to make it match this story, it's more like a person discovering a collection of all the greatest works of art the world has ever known in some abandoned farmhouse in the middle of nowhere, valued in billions, perhaps trillions of pounds, and then selling everything they have to buy that abandoned farmhouse. I mean, you would, wouldn't you? It's so obviously the right thing to do. And this is the simple yet profound point of this parable. The value of being in the kingdom of heaven, of knowing Christ, is so huge, it's worth infinitely more than anything else we can ever know or possess in this life. But what is it exactly that's so valuable about knowing Christ? Well, the rest of the Gospels in the New Testament spell it out to us in lots of different ways, but this is it in its nutshell. It's very simple. The heart of the Christian message is that the God who made the universe became a human being just like us, that he died on the cross in our place to pay the price for our rejection of God that we can't pay so that we can have complete and free forgiveness of our sins if we put our trust in him. Isn't that brilliant? It means so much. It means that we can live with purpose now because we know that this life right now is not meaningless. We're not just random biological accidents just trying, trying blindly to survive and perhaps have some fun before we die. No, we're created for a purpose to know and enjoy the God who made the universe and who made us. It also means we can live with peace now, knowing that the same God, who will one day in the future be our judge, is also our saviour. And it's interesting that either side of this little parable in Matthew's Gospel or the parable of the weeds and the parable of the net. And both of them contain stark warnings that one day, at the end of our lives, all of us will have to face God as our judge. And again and again, the Bible teaches that those who trust in Christ, when they come before the judgment seat of God, can have total peace of God's complete pardon because Christ died in their place so that they can be in his kingdom. So isn't this the greatest treasure than, that any human being could ever possess? It's quite easy in British culture to slip into seeing the Christian faith as something of moderate importance. A comfort to some if they like that kind of thing. Uh, a helpful moral framework to help civilise society. A valued cultural contributor to so much of our fine art, music and buildings. Well, C.S. Lewis had a very helpful response to this way of thinking. He wrote this in one of his essays. 
one must keep pointing out that Christianity is a statement which, if false, is of no importance, and if true, of infinite importance. The one thing it can't be is moderately important. Knowing Christ is of infinite importance. It is infinite treasure. So what would stop you taking hold of treasure like this? In terms of the parable, what things would stop you selling the field in order to own this treasure? Is it busyness? Oh, just, I'm just a, too busy right now in my life. I'll think about God and Christian faith, etc. when I'm older. Well, this treasure is too urgent for that. Don't walk on by. Is it doubts about whether the Christian faith is true, perhaps? Well, have you taken time to test it out? Read a gospel. Read, read Matthew's gospel that this comes in. Join a Christianity Explored group that we, we run regularly here in Parliament on a Monday lunchtime. Come and have a chat to me afterwards. The treasure is there for those who want to find it. Or is it perhaps that there are other things in your life that are more valuable, do you think, than, than this treasure? Archbishop William Temple, who was the uh, Archbishop of Canterbury during the Second World War, had two famous tests for us to discover what we value most in life. The first was the solitude test. Where does your mind go to in solitude when you're alone? What do you dream of and what do you worry about? The second test was the nightmare test. What is it that would be your greatest nightmare if you lost it? What would make your life fall apart if you lost it? Those two tests will tell us what we value most in life. Is it your wealth, your looks, your power, your political career, your popularity, your health, your comfort, your family? We have to apply an eternal profit and loss analysis to all these treasures. Because the treasures of wealth, looks, power, career, good health, etc. are all good as far as they go. But we can't avoid the fact that they are temporary and fragile. On the other hand, the treasure of this kingdom of heaven brings us pardon, peace and purpose, both now and into eternity. Jesus himself says to his disciples later in Matthew's Gospel, those famous words, for what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and yet forfeits his life? And the Apostle Paul makes this same profit and loss comparison in the reading that we've also got on the sheets from Philippians um, chapter 3. Perhaps turn over and have a look at it. Particularly 3 verse 8. When he describes all the things he could have in this life as loss compared to the eternal profit of knowing Christ Jesus. I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. So don't walk on by the treasure in the field. Buy the field. The infinite and eternal treasure of knowing Christ is more valuable than anything. 
And can I challenge you to seek first Christ's kingdom as he invites people to do in uh, earlier in Matthew's gospel. Seek first his kingdom and see, do the experiment. See how those things that you treasure before don't seem so valuable as they once were. See how God gives you all that you need in this life, that he gives you your daily bread. And see how God gives eternal life in the age to come. Let me finish by telling you of a man called C.T. Studd. Some of you will know uh, that as well as being a highly intelligent and highly educated young man, he was also a very fine cricketer in the late 19th century. He captained the team at Eton, he captained Cambridge, and he also played for England in the very first Ashes test. I made the mistake of uh, talking about him in another sermon at church recently, and it was just my luck that uh, when I started reeling off the stats about him, there should be a man in the congregation who's written a book on the history of cricket. Anyway, he informed me very politely afterwards that I'd somewhat underplayed the sheer talent and potential of C.T. Studd, and that, in his opinion, he was on a par with W.G. Grace as being the greatest uh, cricketer of that generation. Anyway, he also became a Christian in his teenage years, and with this amazing cricketing career ahead of him with his country, and much more besides, he decided instead to spend the rest of his life as a missionary in China, in India, and in Africa. And when once asked why he had done this, he famously replied, if Jesus Christ be God and died for me, then no sacrifice can be too great for me to make for him. Let's pray together. Living God, please help us to see that the treasure of knowing Christ is true, urgent, eternally valuable, and utterly life-transforming. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.